Right, I'll just do a little bit of chewing for the uh, benefit <laughs> as we learn about crab. Going out to you, Jeremy Storer. <laughs> That's Annabelle's partner. He doesn't like our audible chewing on the podcast. No, he really, really bothers him. <laughs> and since I found out that he actually listens to this podcast, I've had to really moderate my remarks <laughs> and now, my chewing. Now, what we are in fact eating is a ginger macaroon. Balls. Ginger balls. <laughs> made by... Somebody else who is in the room who have we, have, we have ordered to remain silent. Stephen Brooke from The Australian, whose nickname is, in fact, Ginger Balls. It isn't really. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's giving a kind of plaintive look. He has, he's writing a, a thing uh, about uh, the podcast. And we weren't going to mention that he was here. And then we thought, well, it might be like, you know, whatever that scientific law is where the presence of an observer of a phenomenon actually changes the phenomenon. It has actually already done that because since Stephen's been here, you have acted all kind of like um, – Bossy. That's no, how I always act. more efficient than usual. Like, you know, so anyway, we, we get together and we write down a little list. I'm like, we did not write down a little list. What do you want about? Are you joking? That's Warmly. what I do every single time. Oh, I don't know. I don't notice Yeah, it you cause don't don't do because you don't pay attention. That's right. Yes. But it's like um, this happened yesterday when my daughter had two other little 12-year-old mates around and um, I said – they were taking the dog for a walk and I said, oh, guys, can you put on some sunscreen? And oh, my daughter then says to her friends, oh, my mum always does this. She would never ask me to put on sunscreen. <laughs> she's just she's just putting on an, on a performance to look like she's more together than she is. I mean, this oh, child – Oh, wow. Yeah, I know. Wow. It, and I said, well, actually, it's because I care if those other children get sunburned. What <laughs> do I care about you getting sunburned? It's not a performance. It's more just a generalised concern so for the you, welfare of other people. So anyway. I'd said aloud what I was doing because Stephen's writing a story and so I thought he might like to know what I'm doing. Are you, t- are you kidding me that you've never noticed before that I go, here's what you've got, here's what I've got, let's make a list that makes some sense? No, no, look, I've sort of, I've, I've sort of inferred it from the universe <laughs> but like I am as you'll notice pretty careful not to ever be the person who's responsible for doing that so I try to really let it wash over me as much as possible. What I've just realised is mm. when I come here every second week or however often we do this and mm. I go okay here's what's on the list blah, 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 I think we should do it in this order what you hear is it's like that cartoon about what dogs hear. Yeah, exactly. Okay, oh my good. Speaking right, of which, good get to know. See, Brookie being here has already changed the nature of the experiment. Your dog oh, keeps God. jumping on me. Go oh, away. No, sorry, my dog is. Annoying. Now I'm more of a cat person than a dog. Person. Yeah, fair enough. And I look, it's that the dog's behaviour is indefensible. But I am gonna, right um, I am gonna discuss something about cats that I'm rather upset with, and that is the trailer. Oh for the God, new the cats trailer for cats. Have you seen it? I just, I can't even tell you. I read everything that there was to read on the internet about that trailer. I watched it again and again. I couldn't believe it. Have you seen the behind the scenes? Yes, thing I've as watched well? all of that. Oh. I love the, I love the director's response to the criticism, which is just like, oh, I guess we'll have a fiddle with it. What? What would you fiddle with? It seems to be it's unfixable to me. Dressed as cat, yeah, it's unfixable. I, it feels to me like the Emperor's New Clothes. That what has nobody along the way gone. Guys, just can That's I stop what you here? When you realise disasters. You realise you're just... signing up to Andrew Lloyd Webber's cats and Idris, mate. Look at me. Look me in the eye. Now look at yourself. You are dressed Idris. as a gigantic cat. It's Idris that I worry about the most because really the rest of them, I think I could deal without. I could deal with them losing their dignity, but Idris, <laughs> no. I feel like he'll still be the sexiest like, cat um, we've ever seen. It's like um, you know. I haven't wanted to fly in in a helicopter and rescue someone as badly since Huma Abedin and, and, and her <laughs> oh, husband Anthony Weiner. Yeah. Like I was just like, we've got 
to go fund me <laughs> a helicopter late. to go and get it. her. It's too late. I know. It's but in the can. It's in the can, right? <laughs> it is. So when She's... I was watching the behind the scenes, when it started and it was Jennifer Hudson and Taylor Swift and stuff, I sort of thought, oh, yeah, God, cats. I mean, look, sorry, let me back up. God, you're a riddle rat wrapped in an enigma. What? Hang on. Back up the truck. <laughs> okay. You don't like cats? Okay. I just assumed that it would love... be right up your manky alley. <laughs> I love cats, mm-hmm. uh, the animal. I like the book. I love old possum, T.S. Eliot, yeah. Old Possum's Book of Practical yep. Cats. Absolutely fantastic. I don't even mind the music of cats, the musical, that much, with the exception of memory, which I effing hate. Really? Yes. God, you intrigue oh, me. God. I just thought that would be like rubbish enough to really appeal to you. <laughs> but as a stage show, it's just, it's baffling. Mm. Like it's just Absolutely baffling. What about as a film shot on a 12 times actual size set? It's even more baffling. Rendering the humans slightly <laughs> too small cats. Like, what the? So, what I was James gonna... Corden, I'm worried about too. Well, James Corden was one of the ones when I was watching the behind the scenes. How so many times did you watch that, by the way? Because I watched two. Because I was times. just completely just yeah. puzzled by it. So, the first time, when it, when I think the first really big <laughs> name that appears is Dame Judi Dench. Yeah, and I so know. then I thought. Wearing oh, this is a piss take. A fur coat made of the fur of another cat. <laughs> what? What? Like, what? <laughs> and she's like, when I was, you know, when I was a young actor, um, no, I, I, I pulled a hammy and I thought that was the end of my involvement with cats. Turns but out no. not. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out I'm here to destroy, as if with dynamite, so then, <laughs> what remains of my credibility. So then I'm thinking this is a piss take. Then it's, um, <laughs> then Idris shows up. Then Surrey and yeah. McKellen. Yeah. Then... James Corden gives yeah. some grab. No, somebody, somebody, I can't remember if it's Corden or Jennifer Hudson, somebody goes, you know, it's like it's like people dressed up as cats. I'm like, yes, that's why you should have all run a, yes. a smile. And then Corden goes, you know what's absolutely amazing? The digital fur enhancement. <laughs> <laughs> the DFI. DFE. DFE. You should get DFE. Imagine if with 7.30 you just all of a sudden – you were furred. Showed up with DFE. <laughs> and then you could randomly fur up your guests. <laughs> or like, you know, or be insects. Could you get the opposite if you hadn't shaved your legs? Scales. <laughs> could you get, what's the opposite of digital fur enhancement? Digital fur reduction. Digital de- depilation. <laughs> the digital Brazilian has been applied to the treasurer. <laughs> So then, so I've watched that and thought, wow, I'm not, I'm I really just, honestly not God, sure that's I wish I'd, I wish I'd next... been able to watch you watching that because oh. it's so, I think I can just picture, like, you know how your brain is quite rational and, and you kind of like, you work oh. through like line by line the code. You're like, what? Do not recognise, do not <laughs> recognise. 100% that would have been my face. I think it would have been not dissimilar to my face in the fire documentary when that guy oh, told that yeah. anecdote where it's just like <laughs> horror and then I just I don't know what, but um, but then yeah, the actual trailer. I mean, yeah, it, it's just. Like, can we talk about the boobs for one second? Just <laughs> we won't talk about them forever. But like, why do the cats have human breasts? That's what. That's I mean, the thing that you've been able to digitally the enhance the fur. Yeah, but can you not digitally reduce the let's boobs? Put some norks on those cats, <laughs> but not in the normal nork place. <laughs> like, that's see for me that would have been. So what happens with these boobs now that I'm a cat? Like what? Because I would have thought maybe a taping or a sort of even just a tucking, even just an edit them out. Just a, I mean, why oh have them? God, but somehow know. the sexy boob on the oh my god! Well, they're sexualized cats now. It's just ugh. there's just yeah. The, the Guardian wrote this like published this great article. It's just like eight questions about the <laughs> the cats trailer and. 
the boobs are one of them and the what size are these cats actually supposed to be? Why is Judy Dench wearing a fur? Well, they tried to do coat it to made s- of her own fur. <laughs> they tried to do- They've tried to do it sort of to scale so the cats appear the size of actual cats. Yeah, no, so one of the worst moments for me in just... the promo is where there's a human cat opening a door and it's reaching yep. up to the door. Yep. It's, yeah. oh, my God. Yep. Because, like, okay, so they've tried to make it to scale, yet the cat still has a poseable thumb so it can twist a doorknob. I mean, apparently, just yes. stop it. Uh, yes. It's a um, – look, I have to say it does – and we'll move on from this because really it's getting ridiculous. <laughs> but um, it does – it just – nothing fills me with such joy – and I know this is says bad things about me as a person, but like when Hollywood gets suckered into doing something stupid, like I mean, egregiously, obviously walk past it on the street and immediately recognise it's stupid, and yet somehow they all get caught up. It's like Zoolander two, which is yeah. also terrible. Yeah, um, and they all got into that because I, I assume that everyone's been paid an absolute fortune. I mean, what? Why else Imagine are you if doing? They were this? all volunteering. I mean, the director is it's the just director a low of budget. The, the King's Speech. Yes, of course. Yeah. I mean, should know better. <laughs> anyway, but you know, the other promo that came out this week that I also was very interested to see was the sequel, thirty years later, to oh, Top Gun. You would have been all over Highway Top Gun. <laughs> to the zone. Yeah, I was all over it, um, and it was it pushed. Look. There was no plot evident in the trailer. It was no. just a lot of flying planes of and a lot of a lot Tom of... Cruise looking like Tom Cruise. Yeah, and just being and a lot of Tom Cruise's <laughs> Tom Cruise's boss going, you know, son, maybe you wonder why all these years later you're still just a private. He's like, <laughs> Whatever because I'm eighty. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm actually post retirement. It's because now. he's an immature little brat. Yeah, is the simple yeah. truth. Is Kelly McGill is Kelly McGillis in it? I don't know, but I've. Given an order, no, there'll be some like his new shag will be like twenty. The same age as Kelly McGillis Correct. in nineteen eighty, yeah. whatever. That's how that rolls. Um, yeah, exactly. Oh, an interruption. I think. I think. Um, you know, I was think I tweeted this week actually. When you watch Top Gun at fifteen, when I watched Top Gun at fifteen, I thought Maverick, what an awesome, cool guy. Watching it at forty five, I thought, what an immature little punk. I want Iceman flying my plane. <laughs> I don't have to talk to him or sleep with him. I just want him to like fly the plane so I can have a nap. You know he's not going to flip it upside down and do stupid things. He's just going to take it up, do the mission, and land it. And is that's Val what Kilmer I want done with one? my tax Val dollars. Kilmer, what a ridiculous! I hope Val Kilmer is. is in this one, but I don't know. But because I've spent so much time thinking Remember about that vampire movie that he was in. What was that kind of like interview with a vampire? Was negatory. It? it was the one where they're all vampires and um, Twilight. No. Um, uh, the Lost Boys? Was he, wasn't he in that? don't know. Oh, I've seen him anything for years. I've reached the end of my vampire knowledge. <laughs> so I've got a challenge for you. I've spent a lot of time oh, thinking God. about. Oh, yeah, I just dressed up as Brian May, mate. <laughs> like, you're making another demand on my goodwill. Next show I'm dressing up as Maverick and you're dressing up as Goose. No, it's not happening. <laughs> that is actually not happening. No. Um, I've got to really nip this in the bud. You, you're starting to think that this is your – you know, treat every time we do a show. Not I have actually happening. got a good idea. No, for one. you haven't. I do. I won't share it on the pod, but I will share it with mm. you later. Um, I, I've been thinking through if I were writing the sequel to Top Gun 30 years later, how it would go. And I lay down a challenge to you that for the next pod, we each have to write like a one-page synopsis of the plot for the sequel for Top Gun. Okay. Well, and I want it to right. be as funny as humanly oh, possible. God. All right. <laughs> I know I regret this. Now I've regretted. I know I've committed to it. I can't audibly. Wait. It's going to like the anticipation of it's going to fill me with the same pleasure as anticipating you dressed up as Brian May. Oh, so I can look forward to millions of horribly perky little text messages saying, "How's your synopsis going? I've done mine already." 
Because you wouldn't you know, suggest this if you didn't already have a funny idea. That should I confess something? What? You've already written it? You've already written it! <laughs> oh. I did it last night and it was, it was very pleasurable. I needed a cigarette at the end of it. I didn't really actually. I don't smoke. I've never have smoked. I've never even tried a cigarette. Have you? I know. We've discussed this. Oh, yeah, yeah. You? I've had cigarettes. I've oh. had heaps of cigarettes. Oh, okay. Ooh, having Ooh. one right now. Bad, bad girl. I am a bad, bad girl. girl. Annabelle Crab. Yeah, I'm just um, I'm Michael Hutchins to your <laughs> Kylie Minogue, mate. Rick, Rick Astley. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I've already talked about the Hutchins doco, haven't I? Yeah, I have. Yeah, you have. Yep. Um, hey, um, just while we're talking about uh, um, uh, movies and funny things that people are doing about movies. Um, Miranda Murphy sent me a link to, I think, a website that she just constantly is on, McSweeney's. Oh, my God. that It is the funniest website. There's yeah. always something hilarious on there. And some genius has written, um, Ernest Hemingway sees the Lion King. <laughs> so it's like 2,000 words of Hemingway's kind of story of seeing the Lion King with a friend. Oh, my God. It's hit, so funny. Hit me with a bit of it. Oh, just, I'll just do a little bit. Um okay. So they walk in together, Hemingway and his companion, and there's heaps of trailers and they want it to be the movie. Oh, my Jesus, that dog that is cable. eating that cable. Get Stop away. It. Go away. Go away. Come on. That's ridiculous. That's not for eating. All right. Sorry. Yeah, so Hemingway. Um, anyway, a little before the last of the first trailer was over, he whispered to me that it was now too late to get popcorn. Shut up, you. I muttered. My companion gave another demonstration of his irritation by miming eating popcorn with his hands and mouth. I watched without expression or with a hint of caring on my face. After a while, he stopped. Finally, I made a last signal to the screen and saw it was no use. It was only another trailer. Preview, I said. Yes, he agreed. We go to the lobby? Yes. Everything was spoiled. <laughs> It's so dumb oh, and so, so funny. Good. Yeah, it's really, really great. And I, do, I, lo I love the creative lengths that people go oh. to on that website to create something pointless. It's just Well, that's the exhilarating. effort I've gone to with my Top Gun sequel. <sighs> I have no I've further words. I've actually commissioned words. Kenny Loggins to write I have. Oh, my God. You are going to have to be brought down by a tranquilizer <laughs> dart at some point, and I'm the person to do the shooting. Can you um, – your dog needs to get – Put outside or oh something because God. it keeps eating the cable. All right, get, hey, out, of here. get out. All right, hang on. I'm going to pause while you do that. Are you enjoying Chat Tan Looks 3? Is this pointless ad giving you an opportunity to make a cup of tea? Well, you are welcome. If you do enjoy our company, uh, you can interact on a just a dizzying array of online platforms. You can go to our website, www.chat10looks3.com, where you'll have the, all the show notes from every show we've ever done. Thanks, Brenda. Uh, there's also um, a little link through to uh, a bookshop called Bedside Table, where you can purchase, if you'd like, any of the books that we've talked about in the podcast. You can also find merch if Gwen has been up to her terrible tricks and um, putting together diabolically hilarious merchandise. Can you make this a bit snappier? It's going to take us over the 30 minutes. Oh, my God. Are you for real? <laughs> anyway, uh, you can catch us on Instagram, on Twitter, or join the Facebook group, which is, well, that's just uh, something um, completely else indeed. <laughs> Okay.
Okay, now I'm just recording on a new – I think it's a new track, but I can't be done. Is sure. it like an old one where you're recording over what we've just – I don't think it ever <laughs> records over – just to bring you up to speed, this is why like, it's so great not to have a producer <laughs> present. <laughs> it's all part of the enjoyment. Well, whatever it's doing, it's recording. So great. this is either now the start of the podcast or it's going to be halfway through. Okay. But having said that, it was a handy break where I presume Kathy probably put the – if you enjoy Chat 10, you can yes. follow us on Twitter and iTunes. Okay. Uh, well, either that or the whole thing's not recording because my dog has actually chewed through <laughs> no, the... it seems to be. What a stupid beast. Seems to be all right. Now, um, you've read something that I spoke about and I want to hear you talk about. Three women. Yes. I read it. So... Um, the whole thing? I, yes, I did. Yeah. I could not stop reading it. And in mm-hmm. fact, it interfered with the work that I was supposed to be doing. And I couldn't... Yeah, it was absolutely, absolutely brilliant. And I do... Having read all those um, breathless endorsements on the cover that this is going to be the book of the year and it's extraordinary and whatever, I'm, you know, I am reluctantly forced to agree. Yeah, I, I agree. I thought it was phenomenal. Three Women by Lisa Today, who we're talking about. Yeah. And um, I uh, was able to recommend it to Helen Garner the other day, which made me feel oh, she would intensely love it. smoke because <laughs> that is just like, it's peak Garner. Did any one it's of Garner us. Garner So it's the stories of. Three women just living regular lives, really. Yep. Um, did any one or the other of them stay with you more than the others? Uh, so the the one who uh, – so these are women, all, different parts of America, and the writer, Lisa Tadeo, Tadeo um, has gone and kind of immersed herself in the lives of these women and it becomes like the most forensic and absolutely engaging – analysis of these women's desires and their lives and their relationships and you can tell that she's interviewed them again and again and again it's obvious like her method is so interesting she's obviously got them to tell the same stories Mm. over and over again and then talk to their friends and um and what she's managed to winnow out is this um intensely detailed account of the inner lives of these women um the one that i didn't like the the restaurant lady I just didn't really same I I kind of you know because like the book goes in turns and the chapters are you know here's another installment in the life of this one or that one and when the restaurant lady turned up I'd be like oh okay yeah no I mean it wasn't boring but it was I I felt it was a bit more stagey I thought I don't know Um, yeah I I can't quite put my finger on it I, I was wondering if there was um I initially thought, oh, maybe she's less relatable to me because from like an affluent New York sort of mm-hmm. socialite yeah. whose issue was that she was in a sort of swinging relationship with her husband that was a bit awkward. So it was yeah. like, you know, crazy as it seems, it was quite a long way from my own existence. <laughs> but the other Despite but then, the obvious parallels with your own life. <laughs> but then the other two, I mean, the woman who had had the affair with the teacher, I mean, that's not my experience either. And yet yeah. I found that story hookier. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm not quite sure what it was. I think it was, um, there were so many, I think that, in in some ways the most eloquent story that the book tells is the way that these women wait, you know, for these men that they love. Mm. And it's sort of not really the case with the third one. I, I thought that that was the most resonant territory that it covered and it's so heartbreaking. Mm. Um, and there's this great um, bit – towards the beginning of the book where the writer mm. talks about the way that women wait for men. And it, I, can't, I can't run and find the book now and read it out, but it, it's this <laughs> – it's 
like half a page where she's like, even though, you know, the universe is saying, look, this is not going to happen, mm. this guy's not thinking about you, there is some tiny part of you that thinks that even, you know, 10 years later the doorbell's going to ring and he's going to say, hey, I was, you know, it turns out you. that I was kidnapped by huskies and kept yeah. in a cave and all I could think about was you and I wrote your name again and again on the walls yeah. of the cave and, you know, it's just, and my phone broke and... Anyway, that made me laugh a lot. But Do you um, think that we are socially conditioned to – women are socially conditioned to want that or do you think it's an inherent um, – I mean, I don't even know I that do all not, women want it. I do not know. I don't think that is true of all women um, and I think, you know, like any um, gender stuff in the brain, it is impossible to mm. pick out um, what is nature and what is nurture. I think it's almost all nurture. Um Every time I think about, you know, differences between the male and the female brains, I'm reminded of that absolutely fabulous book that I read last year and then lectured you about by yep. Angela Saini called Inferior, which is the greatest handbook to um, the human brain and the stupid things we've told ourselves in the past about mm. what lady brains can do and what men brains can do. So I always just... It's interesting. I, I do the two characters in this book, the, the girl who was having the affair with the school teacher and the woman who was sort of in love with her old high school flame and it was the yep. relationship seemed mostly conducted via Facebook. Um, I did think with both of those stories how and – and I feel like I've seen examples of this in real life where women sort of get a crush on a bloke or even are having a relationship and they will settle for – just whatever crumbs fall from the table. And they're grateful and they lap those crumbs up. Yeah. And instead of thinking, why am I happy to just settle from the crumbs from the table? Right. And I think all three of the women in this book do allow the men in their lives to set the parameters of their relationships and they can just exist forever like that. I mean, they actually trim the sails of their own needs to fit the space that this man has left them in their mm. lives. And it's it's absolutely – like it's tragic. It, it, the book is tragic in that way. Yeah, it did but read like a tragedy, yeah. But I love to – just the attention that she pays. And I think, um, you know, there are so many average women who um, whose story will never be examined for years and years. And so to see it being done is a great lesson in um, how – you don't need someone to be famous oh. or fascinating um, to – well, that everyone's fascinating, right? Like the, yeah. if you spend long enough digging around, you find a story that is Because you'll get to the compelling. core of what it yeah. is to be a human being and all the unique things that people yeah. share and like all those basic unique things people share like wanting to be loved or yeah. um, suffering grief or whatever. Yeah. I, I always <laughs> think about that um, podcast shit town, you know. And oh, yeah. You know when the, the um, journal thought like they were the after one story. Yes. <laughs> yes. Very good. Um, where the journal thinks they're out looking for a story mm. but what they eventually find is this guy mm. who no one's ever heard of but his life is just so fascinating that it yeah. then becomes a whole podcast about this guy's life and I love that because I love the idea that there's just this absolutely unlimited number of stories out there and mm. I think that is one of the great things that podcasts can do. Um, I, I've been listening to um, what is I think a very popular podcast at the moment. I'm about to start listening to Caroline Overington's um, about William Tyrrell, which mm -hmm. I'm quite um, 
simultaneously fearing and looking forward to. Um, but I've been listening to The Lady Vanishes, which is actually made by the Seven Network. Right. It's a Channel Seven podcast, which is how you know that podcasts are really taking off. Is this Brian Seymour's one? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah, I can. No, Brian. Anyway, um, so – and it's about a woman who um, just vanished – from she was living uh, in the Gold Coast, and she had uh, she was a school teacher um, and teaching at this sort of prestigious boys' school, and she was very excited about travelling off to um, to Britain. She's um, sold a house, quit a job, was going to go travelling, leaving her adult um, son and daughter behind. Anyway, sent them heaps of postcards from um, Britain, and then just never was seen again. Mm. And so um, these reporters are working with the daughter, who's this quite amazing character, um, to try and find out what the hell happened to her mum because then all this stuff emerges like she changed her name before she left to this completely weird name. Wow. Yeah, and then um, they were kind of like, well, she's an adult, she's not writing to us, okay, but then she missed – started missing birthdays oh. and then um, anyway so it's it's a fascinating story it's a bit of an interesting insight into why people disappear like there seems to be the cops seem to think that she really organized her own disappearance but the daughter doesn't really accept that changing of the name seems right so <laughs> but the funny thing is like this is terrible and you're obviously good friends with um with uh, Brian Seymour so it, but it's so funny to hear a person who does TV doing a podcast. Yeah. Because the thing that I'm really used to in podcasts is that they're quite often done by print journos or people who aren't radio professionals. So they're doing oh, so, the right so Brian knows how to deliver it. <laughs> so he knows it how to do it. It just makes me laugh so much. I mean, he does a great job, but like the. Sounds so professional. <laughs> 20 years later, yeah. oh. it's still. A mystery. Like, it's just – anyway, it's so funny because you're just like, oh, I'm on television. No, what? Is this television? Anyway, it makes me laugh and laugh because it's just, yeah, TV guys have got kind of a very particular kind of voice. Um, I have listened to two pods recently as well, both from the Sydney Writers' Festival. Um, one was – I think you told me to listen to it, which was – Is it the Max Porter one? Yeah. Oh, dear God. Thank God you finally made me. <clears throat> Every now and again you make a suggestion and I actually – And was it follow. great? Did you love it? You know what? I actually <sighs> – I loved the sound of his voice so much yeah. and the bit of Lanny that he read aloud. Because, you know, I said to you, well, I tried to read Lanny, couldn't get into it. Yeah. I thought That's if there's an audio book of it anymore. and it's read by him, I'll definitely give it a go. Because he, he – I mean, I th- he read it like just, an actor. His it, reading was phenomenal. It, yeah, he's great with voices. Oh. Um, I It just really wounds me somewhere very deep that you didn't really love Lanny as much as I Maybe did. I need to do it like when I'm on holiday so I can fully immerse into it's, it. You have to I be immersed. You can't yeah. just pick it up on a was, plane and well, read it all. that's the only way I, yeah. can, I, I get time to read. So well, get your together. But I was so spellbound in that session um, that he did at the Sydney Writers' Festival partly because, look, his voice is so versatile and his oh. impressions and – the he accents that he does are really quite brilliant. Yeah. I, I was gripped by it. Having said that, I didn't like that. Po- I liked that podcast a lot, but I didn't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed the one of the opening night. Oh, yeah, right. Well, that's very topical, what with Boris Johnson becoming Prime Minister. Um, yeah, because who, who. He's talking about Bo- Boris. Yeah, that's right. He is too. He's all about Boris. And then the other guys, and it was Meg Woolitzer uh, yeah. and another guy um, whose name escapes me who I hadn't heard of, um, but they were all fantastic. Um, yeah. And it was just incredibly gripping and wonderful. So I recommend it's what that. They do like it's quite um, at the Sydney Writers Festival. They um, 
pick a theme and then just ask three incredibly brilliant visiting writers to address that mm. theme for 10 minutes each. And, like, it's so hardcore, like, because oh, if I were, the standard you know, was- if I were headlining the Sydney Writers' Festival, as I'm so regularly asked to do, um, imagine, like, Oh, well, there's, um, yeah, you'll be up against a Pulitzer oh, Prize winner. I'd definitely and, like, ask to go first They always you have would not want to follow any of those people. Yeah, um, but the great thing is because they're given, they're just given the topic, their interpretations are always massively that's uh, different. True. And that's certainly true of... Um, that's of, true, so it makes the point of comparison a little so, bit. It's so interesting because yeah. it's great to see a, like a really brilliant mind yeah jump a certain way and then see other people yeah no they're they're both very good podcasts in fact um there's heaps of good stuff on the sydney um, writers festival um podcast site but um but yeah that i reckon that max porter session is i have never enjoyed a writers festival session more than i enjoyed that hour yeah and i just even the way that he talks about um the experience of writing and like also being a father like just the way oh, it was he great. was talking about the way his kids just ripped the piss out of him yeah <laughs> like, when he said like, he had to pull the car over on the way somewhere to write down an idea and they're like oh everybody the writer's gonna write down <laughs> an like, idea and literally just have to write one thing down because i won't be able to think of it later all right Don't leave, it'll take two seconds and they're like "Ooh," and he says that he's never been allowed to forget it can i just whip through a few other things just really fast yeah um, I am watching the current season of Line of Duty, which I've talked about on the podcast yep. before, British cop drama. Yep. It's as good as it ever is. My friend who's watching it and I are just obsessed by it. We, In fact, we nickname it Fella because one of the key characters, um, the boss, the gaffer, right. he calls everyone, you listen here, Fella, blah, blah, blah. So we just say, hey, have you got time for another episode of Fella? So um, it's awesome. Love it. Recommend it. The Good Place, which is um, a comedy with Ted Danson and I think her name's Kirsten or Kristen Bell. Um, the premise oh, yes, I've of seen it, a bit of that. Yeah, the premise of it is a girl dies, she gets oh, – actually, did I talk about this last time? It's just ringing a – Do you know a what? I actually vu. cannot remember because it was so Because <laughs> all you heard was – yip, 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 In fact, your whole discussion of the line of duty then, all I heard was like, yep, 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 cop drama that she's really into. The Good Place. Still um, into it. Enjoyable, light, easy watch, lost interest by about two episodes into season two. Oh, okay. And I'm also reading, and I know you're reading as well. I don't really want to get into a huge discussion about it because I've oh. got other things to do. Oh, okay, um, well, let's have it your way. I don't even know what you're talking about yet, so good. <laughs> your book. No, less, <laughs> less by Andrew Sean Gray, oh, yes. which was the Pulitzer Prize winner for fiction last right. year. I am absolutely you finished it. I, I'm about three quarters through. I'm okay. completely enjoying it. It's, All right. it's a story about a writer named Arthur Less who's broken up with his much younger boyfriend. The boyfriend's getting married, so Less decides to accept every writers' festival invite and prize giving thing and mm-hmm. doing a little trip around the world. Um, and not much happens plot wise, but there's lots of insights into how he feels about being a man about to turn fifty, and it's mm-hmm. just sort of enjoyable and carrying me along it's very funny yep i have read less of less than you have read <laughs> anything, I else? Repeat it out a little bit. Oh, anything else sh- madam would like really... to discuss wow are we are we nearly yes. coming up to the half hour yes okay. i think we're over well, it, actually let's just yeah. i'll just keep my shoes you off you can talk while we'll... one of these delicious um meals. yeah there was something oh listen um i know that we're all now getting used to boris johnson being the prime minister of britain but mm. I really want you to read, if you haven't, mm-hmm. um, the British BBC journalist uh, Jeremy Vines no, anecdote about. Oh, hang on, I think I have. Yeah. So is it about the speech? Get yeah. it? Yes, I have. Wow, it is actually like it's a beautifully written mm. um, story. So he tells the. I'll just pretend that you haven't read it, <laughs> so that I can explain it to you for the benefit of any um, listeners who 
continue to care. Uh, so he goes to this dinner and it's for the securitization industry, right? So sort of financial blah, 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 yip, yip, yip. And um, Vine is handing out the awards and the scheduled uh, speaker is Boris Johnson. And there's like five minutes to go before Johnson's supposed to speak. No sign of Johnson. So um, Vine, who is obviously sounds like a Lee Sales type, who's a bit of a preparer, like he's worked out, he's, you know, and he's getting contact anxiety because he's like, shit, you know, if Boris doesn't turn up, like, does that mean that I have to speak? I've written five minutes worth of sort of funny remarks, but I couldn't really stretch it, you know, securitization, what even is that? That sort of thing. And um, anyway, then he barrels in at one minute to go and he says, Jeremy, where exactly am I? And Vine is like, oh, my gosh, it's the Securitization Awards, uh, Boris. Right. And, and who's speaking? Oh, well, oh, my God, you are. What? When? Oh, in about a minute, you know. So he cries out for a piece of paper and scribbles a few things and then asks around the table, what is securitization exactly? And Vine is having a heart attack. I, like, I just saw you checking the clock. I saw that. I also do that every week, I'd like to point out, just to make sure that we're keeping yeah, things on track. and that's when I really stretch into my story. <laughs> uh, anyway, so um, it's just for a person who prepares, just the most horrifying oh, thing to watch, I right? And I thought of you when I read it. I'm because sure I did. thought, Yes. <laughs> anyway, so then he pops up and it becomes apparent when he gets up to the podium with his – he writes a, uh, ten things on a piece of paper and then – forgets the paper on the table. This is Boris. And then <laughs> and he gets up there and he says, well, it's fabulous to be here at the – and then it's obvious that he's forgotten what the organisation is, whose awards he's at. So then he kind of ostentatiously looks behind him at the banner and says, ah, securitization, yes. Mm-hmm. And then as it goes on, then he tells this story about sheep, completely unrelated. It's about the European Union regulatory stuff on butchering sheep and then he tells this sort of story anecdote joke that um, Vine's heard a million times before but then forgets the punchline and then anyway so basically it's a total cluster and yet Vine realizes because the crowd loves it and it's nothing like any speech they've ever heard on securitization from any politician that he realises, oh, my God, I'm actually in the presence of genius. This guy is absolutely pulling this off, right? And um, and he gets to the end and he says, and, and, and the excellent Jeremy Vine is now going to hand out these, well, you know, uh, well, I say award, but it's more like an elongated lozenge, really, isn't it? You know, and then so the house is brought down. Anyway, and Vine has then got a dinner party anecdote to tell about Boris, yeah. you know. And then 18 months later... He's at a different awards night, another sort of forgettable industry, and exactly the same thing happens. Boris is scheduled to speak, skids in with a minute to go. What's this? Who's speaking? Oh, my God, what do you mean me? Um, page of notes, leaves on the table. and Tells a sheep story. Yep. Anyway, it's kind of like it's so well written but it's also – and I've given away the story now. But, um, yeah, it's such, it, was, it was a great read. It's such a um, – I think a really interesting insight into that dude. And I've seen him speak twice and um, loved it both times. Cause, yeah. and, and it was exactly that sort of shtick. I don't think he told the sheep story that I can recall, but it was the shambolic like. <laughs> well, I interviewed him at the Melbourne Writers Festival in 2013 and he turned up super hungover, like it was about midday and he was sort of like, 
he'd had heaps of red wine the night before, he said. Um, and so he was really shambolic. And he seemed really worried that it was going to be boring. Um, and so we talked for an hour. He wasn't boring at all. It was really interesting. Um, and then at the end, somebody asked him about whether he thought the classics should still be taught in school. And oh, that's right. Yeah, and then there. he just launched into the Iliad in the yeah. original Greek and he just declaimed it for about five minutes or something. And, the, I mean, it was just – yeah, it well, was certainly. it was brilliant. It was completely shocking. And Well, let's see how he goes oh, in the big that, job. the wrap-up. Well, we're right out of time, Annabelle Crabb. Thanks for your time on 7.30. Look at you. Her finger is actually hovering over the how – much, how much over are I'm we? I'm just trying to be considerate because I know that Stephen Brooke has something to get to and I like to think about others, not about myself. Ouch. So let's just leave it at that. I'll go get the dog to chew your leg now. <laughs> <laughs>